Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Everything Imaginable. And today we have Greg Bernstein, podcaster, as our guest. And the name of this episode is Revenge. Uh, revenge. Now, what did I do? What was so bad that of your experience on my show that you feel compelled to bring me into this like this dungeon of soul crushing questions? Because <laughs> you asked me the hardest questions imaginable. <laughs> Oh my gosh, really? I, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, it's, again, since we're doing a very similar show uh, in terms of the topics we're both interested in, I suppose it might be a way of like trying to figure out what I'm trying to do with it. Like, why am I doing, why am I exploring these fields? Why am I doing it? And it's like, I guess I'm sort of like, huh. I mean, Mary, maybe Gary knows more than I do. Like, like maybe he can help me understand me more. So I think that's sort of where I subconsciously was operating from. Um, but it, maybe not. Maybe you think there's something more sinister. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, you know, it, it's interesting just to find out what it is like to be on the other end and to find out maybe how my guests feel when I'm, asking them questions too so but by being on a podcast gives you like this different perspective you know and i I think it helps us grow as better interviewers actually yeah yeah well look be honest have you have you actually pre-written questions for me like where are you at with that no no i i I have not written anything actually except maybe one oh okay and we'll just move right into that one um you do have like um what is your background, actually? Let's start there. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I am from Dover, Massachusetts, which is a very rural community. And what I found out very early on was that acting and theater was going to be my path. Um, it, was, it was just so sports-filled, uh, and and I mean, to be honest, really, if we're going to go even before acting, it was um, my childhood family friend at a birthday party where there was a magician, like a children's entertainer. Um, and I guess the word show, I remember even being this young and thinking this, like when my mom said, oh, you're going to a magic show, show to me meant that age puppets like like she just said like you're going to a magic show and i just thought oh that is a version of a puppet performance because that's what show equaled my head and i suppose i maybe had some day i like thinking back on the memory now and by the way i mean gary as i'm sure you're aware and your other guests have told you like memory is your version of remembering the last time you remembered something so even as i'm telling this to you now like i know how flimsy this might be like 
also we could just be in a simulation and like I'm just thinking all these things right now for the first time. There's always that possibility. Nothing, um, but, nothing actually exists. <laughs> yes, yes. Like like every, all my memories up to this moment could have just been dropped into my head from a programmer. Like I'm always open to that idea. But assuming the programming's really good and it's actually had me believe up until now this very moment that uh, my memory of the way this played out is in fact correct and works on the same timeline. I remember being like, huh, magic puppet show. I didn't know what a magic show was. I'd never seen it. I saw this guy do all, I mean, I don't even, I remember there was one trick. It's a classic trick, the dice box. Uh, it's it's kind of like a, they call them sucker tricks in magic world, where it's like a, the, the kids all know that the magician is doing something deliberately, like he he's badly hiding something. So the kids, when he turns his back or the kids see it, they all go, no, no, we saw, we saw, we saw that over there. Um, <laughs> and then at the end, he does something even more miraculous than the sucker trick. So this guy was doing a lot of those sucker tricks and I really loved it and it blew my mind. I had no idea that that's what a magic show was. Uh, my dad, I, I just, all I could start, all I could talk about was magic. I was like obsessed with that one magician. And my dad happened to grow up with um, someone who is still our family dentist, uh, who was also a magician, also happened to do birthday party entertainment. And my dad, when he was growing up with this neighbor of his, would go into Boston to uh, Hank Lee's magic store, which used to be great. Uh, then Hank, of course, went to jail. But that's a whole other story. Why, why did Hank <laughs> go to jail? Like... <laughs> so Hank Lee, man, Harry Levy, his real name. I know this is like, uh, it's fine. It's, it, it, it's, this was in the news, folks. I mean, the, <laughs> the shop's over. Um, Harry Levy had a reputation of being a swindler. Uh, like a really bad, really bad when it came to money um, in in the sense of like stealing money from the like he would really uh, there were always stories you heard, but it was never like public charge and accusation. And oh man, I'm trying to think it was close to, I think it was, I was in college or college was getting out for me around like 2009, 2010, 11 he got in trouble. Um, by the way, this guy, Hank Lee's Magic Store, was like in Boston since the 70s. A lot of great magicians came through there. Um, and I went there, you know, in the early 2000s when I really started getting my magic back. started doing it a lot more middle school and high school. And my dad took me, it changed locations from when he took me originally back in the early 90s. Um, Hank Lee got in trouble for, it was like some, I think it was some person just discovered that like thousands and thousands of dollars had been charged to his credit card over a series of months. Basically fraudulent charges, went to jail. Um, I'm sure other people came forward and testified that he's done this kind of thing before and had to go. Um, it was a huge thing, but the, but what was interesting, Gary, is that like they also ran these magic conventions, um, Cape Cod every year. The Cape Cod Conclave it was great. I I went when uh, I was in middle school and high school to them 
because it was just, you know, when you're a magician, you don't see a community of other people um, that are really doing it. It's really awesome to just know that there are other weirdos out there and there are a lot of them. There are a lot um, of weird people, but there are also kids my age that are still friends of mine that are very cool. Um, and everybody at the convention, all the magicians in the acts, they would always do a little dig about how much they, you know, uh, how, uh, how, Han how cheap Hankley was. He wasn't going to give you a discount. How he wasn't ever going to, uh, you know, like one guy, I remember one magician during the show was like, I need to borrow money. Hank, can I, can I have a $20 bill for this trick, please? A $20 <laughs> bill. And I uh, went into the audience, grabbed the bill, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, an illusion that no one's never seen before, a feat impossible, may give, having Hank Lee give you money. Um, <laughs> I was like, so there was always this talk, but then to actually see it, like the rumors came to life and it, like it was a big press release and to shut down his store and the mail. Uh, I mean, over the years with the internet, like the, the death of the brick and mortar magic shop makes, makes me very sad because that's what my dad took me to growing up. My grandfather would take me almost every other Saturday in high school to the Watertown Magic Store, a magic art studio in Watertown. Um, it was going to the magic store was a big part of my childhood. And I would do shows for my friends, even in preschool. As I started getting into magic, I would start performing for them. And what ended up happening was, as you get more into kindergarten, first grade, kids start picking up sports, gym class becomes a regular thing part of the curriculum, I really didn't have a spot. I didn't fit in. And what happened was my mom was like running around trying to figure out like, why doesn't Greg like soccer? What is it? What does he want to do? He doesn't like this. He doesn't have a thing. He does this magic thing. And she put me in these drama classes and I went to a creative arts camp and they really let me go. Um, I was doing shows. I started doing shows at a young age and People saw that I took performing seriously. And then once I'm starting to get like fourth, fifth grade, I'm starting to audition for community theater stuff. My mom co-founds a community theater for kids because she sees my interest in it. Um, and she wasn't an actress herself, but she always loved live performance and saw my interest in it. So uh, she's very good at producing and all that stuff. Give her a lot of credit for setting me up for success. And middle school already had plays and musicals. And then high school was just like, uh, you know, a renaissance of artistic talent with the teacher that uh, actually just interviewed her. I'm going to release it at some point soon for my show. My, my teacher, Ricky Lombardo, who was an, am <laughs> amazing, was an amazing influence of me in high school, just like one of those people days with you long at the, the lessons in her freshman English class uh, with me now i mean just like really really important but she was the one that was like greg uh you should i think you're one of my students like or she's like actually this is before she was actually my teacher she saw me do something in eighth grade i came and auditioned for her because they were letting middle schoolers be in one of her shows and i just did an audition for her before i was in high school and then and when i was in eighth grade when i was done she said you should consider doing this professionally for the rest of your life. 
<laughs> and I was like, wow, you're not even my teacher yet. Thank you. And I continued to work with her all throughout four years of high school. My Tish was, I didn't really know there were other options out there. I just heard Tish School of Drama. Oh, that's the place to do it. I got into Tish, became an actor, studied at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting, uh, you know, toyed with it in the real world, started to, uh, my interest started to evolve, honestly. I mean, yeah, I am, I've acted in things, mostly live theater. Uh, I still work with a murder mystery company called The Murder Mystery Company. It's a national company, but I'm the assistant director and actor with New York group of it. So still get to do that, go all over the tri-state area, but I never stopped my intellectual curiosity through all of that. And I really do think it goes back to magic. Um, I think just like something about magic, the performance of it, just inspired in my brain. It's like, oh man, is see look you're, you're not even having to ask questions i'm like <laughs> i'm giving you so much but it's yeah. um but it's like somewhere between it's not quite the occult because it definitely isn't the occult but so, so you haven't you haven't taken up sorcery yet no not at all i didn't I, even I, think, i've actually interviewed a couple of people that are or do sorcery some of my biggest episodes yeah, I have only, it was so interesting. I mean, and it, I never really, never practiced anything magic with a K. Um, I, I really haven't even explored it as fully as I like it. It wasn't until my early 20s when after college that I was like, oh, I'm intellectually curious in the occult magic. I'm going to start going down this route. And I have to tell you, like, I'm listening to, I mean, I'll have to listen to that episode that you did. Listening There's two to of them. I did one with Aaron Leach. He's a member of the Golden Dawn. Oh, I love that. And, um, and I did another one with a guy, um, I think his name was Taylor Elwood. And he has a little bit more of a more modern perspective on it. I think it's so interesting. Like, what does that mean? That's why I, I, I certainly do my podcast. I'm like, what does that mean when you say you're a modern sorcerer? It's so weird to me. I mean, do you feel like you got any sort of understanding of like how that magic actually manifests in the real world? Like it's easy to make a coin disappear. What does it mean when you're a ma practicing magician? I think it has to do with um, focusing your imagination and, and you know, uh, you know, to, to try to manifest some type of outcome. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely, I mean, and it also parallels with uh, the other part of my journey, is the hypnosis. Yeah. Uh, very that, similar. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of parallels, uh, especially when you're talking about, like, creating sigils. I mean, in my really superficial understanding of what that is, and I will assure everybody out there listening, superficial at this point, um, <laughs> the idea of having some sort of symbol that you are wrapping, like you said, your focus around, utilizing your imagination, I mean, that is just straight up exactly 
trance process. I mean, it's codified as a trance process, uh, symbology, some people call it, but also it's like, it's just a classic thing to, to go deep inside your subconscious mind, pull up something representational, and then actually manipulate that in a way that manifest results that you want and maybe inner resources that you weren't able to tap into like that is straight up great classic classic that's, hypnotherapy that, that's why i like the catchphrase to my podcast is um everything that exists was first imagined mm, mm, that's so true that's so true uh yeah i mean you think oh, I'm, a, I'm about to ask you a hard question. I don't want to do that. That's no, no, I, I got I got a really hard one for you. Oh no! Are, are okay. you ready for it? You want my hardest question? Uh, yes. All yes. Right. You want to get Go it ahead. over? With? All right. So go into Zoom and check your chat, and there's a link I just sent you. Oh my gosh! What? Okay. Because what I sent you is a link to my favorite monologue from Hamlet. Oh gosh, I really hope if you're asking me to perform, man. I am asking you to do a Shakespearean monologue. <laughs> oh my On gosh. The fly. <laughs> that is such a dick move, but you know what? Ay, <laughs> Let me see if I can. Let's see. Well, wait a minute. I see the list of plays. I see the different lists. Which one? Are we talking it should, to be it should or not just to be? show up in the middle. It should be like there in the italics. Mm, let's see. Let's see. I mean, I see to be or not to be. Uh, Is it rogue and peasant slave? Am I? Uh, it starts with at least the whisper. Okay. See where it says first line. This is is this a this isn't a this is unfair. This isn't a question. It's a challenge. No, this is this is fair. I actually had somebody do it perfectly. Oh wait, did you? Did, was they were they an actor? Did they build yes, themselves? Yes, yes, she, she was an actor. Okay, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you I've been trying to get out of acting, but alas, I will. Well, let me say, no, no, no. I want, I want to, I want to deliver. Um, let's see. So let me. <laughs> uh, right, this one's this about open. the nunnery, man. <laughs> Yo, yes. Hamlet is great, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love all Shakespearean plays, actually. Yeah. You know, when, when I went to college, I really thought that Shakespeare and classical theater was going to be uh, just dreadful for me. Like, I really, I think English teachers can often do it a disservice, uh, especially yeah. at the high school level. And, you know, to learn how Game of Thrones it was before Game of Thrones even came out um, to learn how it was so much like murder, betrayal, stabbing, like the, the very like cheating, but like grounded in so much humanity. I mean, just the heights of drama and it, tragedy. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like the most rich, delicious, delicious piece of candy you could ever imagine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Have you ever performed it? No, no, I'm not an actor. 
Uh, yes, hence why I am here. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. Okay. Can I perform this? Let's see. And this is not even Hamlet. This is Horatio. Right. You got to love Horatio. Yeah. He's my yeah. favorite character in Hamlet. Oh, man. This is going to be, I mean, the public's going to hear this and go, we can never let that kid work again. Oh, man, this might get you on Broadway. <laughs> oh, that's another perspective. <laughs> um, I like that. Um, let's You're going to be famous after this podcast. Here's the deal. I am going to, let's see if I can. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen. This is not the process they teach you at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. This is being thrown a cold monologue like this when I haven't really engaged with Hamlet in many years. Uh, but give me, yeah, actually, before we go into this, like since I haven't really had time to prepare, prepare properly, uh, let's give the, yeah, you mentioned the nunnery. Like, what is the exact context for this? Actually, I, I, I believe that the nunnery idea is... They're talking about somebody who's a little bit of a hoe. Right, right, right. Are they talking about Ophelia? Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it's like, you know, go away, hoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did the scene. I did the scene in college with To Be or Not To Be. Um, and definitely, you know, dismissing... Uh, Ophelia. Oh gosh. Why am I? Wait, is it Ophelia? That is. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, look, I know I'm just stalling right now as I'm reading this over. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. This is so, okay. You should have expected this, man. <laughs> Monologue. I thought you were going to ask me, like, do I believe in God? Like, what? What? Um, let you off that easy? <laughs> I yeah actually okay so so here's what I'm learning let's see at least I can tell you the rumors so I'm I'm on a litcharts.com which uh, has the meaning of what he's saying let me do this here is what the following words this is cheating but asking me to perform as a professional actor on the spot Gary is also cheating on your part, so I don't feel too bad. Okay, now, here we go. Ratio. He says, what he says is, I can do it. At least I can tell you the rumors. The greatness of our former king, whose ghost just now appeared to us, inspired the competitive pride of King Fordenbras of Norway. Fordenbras challenged him to hand the king combat during that fighter courageous Hamlet, as we Danes thought of him, killed old King Fortinbras, who was, uh, who, on the basis of a sign and seal. We're back. All right, folks, there's going to be a little bit of a blip in this one because the power went out. Uh, I am back. No, that was the greatest gift ever. <laughs> I have practiced. I am so ready. I'm going to kick this monologue. Hey. Now, wait a minute. Actually, but before I do this, this is your favorite monologue in Shakespeare? Yeah. Horatio? Yeah. <laughs> really? Talking logistics about, like, Mordebras? Sure. This, I mean, what? 
Okay, I I don't believe. I think you just picked out a random monologue oh, just man. to see. Be honest with me. This yeah, I love BS. this monologue. This? Yes. Uh, there's a little bit of a story. I, I had a friend who's a Shakespearean actor, and I used to run um, an open mic night. <laughs> and, and he would always do this monologue. Wow. And he'd start from at least. Yes. Oh, this is so un. This is such an uninteresting monologue to me. But that is the actor's challenge to take even the most mundane and make it dramatic. At least, the whisper goes so. Last king, whose image even but now appeared to us, was, as you know, the Fortinbras of Norway, thereto pricked on by a most emulet pride. Heir to the combat in which our valiant Hamlet this side of our known world esteemed him, did slay this Fortinbras, who by a sealed combat, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all those his lands which he stood seized of to the conqueror. The article designed is fell to Hamlet. Uh, hold on one second. You, I lost my internet connection. You lost it again? Yeah, you got to start over. Oh, my. <laughs> Gary. Look, so the internet keeps going out when I'm doing Hamlet. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's just try telling... one more time, man. One more time. Oh, my. I think what's happening here, folks, is that there is some higher power. No, this is the simulation I was talking about, dude. <laughs> Simulation doesn't like this content. It's not interesting. He's <laughs> uh, not even you. It's just me struggling through. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see if I can. Uh, we'll try one more time. See if I can do this justice. Oh, boy. Let's see. Wait a second. Our guild of the basis and full accordance with the law and rules of company. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, at least the whisper goes. Oh, no, let me do that again. Sorry. <laughs> At least the whisper goes so. Our last king, whose image even but now appeared to us, was, as you know, by Fortinbras of Norway, thereto pricked on by a most emulate pride, heir to the combat in which our valiant Hamlet or so the side of our known world esteemed him, did slay this Fortinbras, who, who by a sealed compact, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all of those his lands which he stood seized of to the conqueror, against the which a mighty competent was gauged by our king, which he had returned to the inheritance of Fortinbras, had he been vanquisher as, by the same covenant, carriage of the article designed his fell to Hamlet. Now, sir, young Fortinbras, unproved metal hot and full, hath in the skirts of Norway here and there sharked up a list of lawless resolutes, food and diet to some enterprise that he have a stomach in, which is no other as doth will appear unto our state, but to recover of us, by strong hand and terms compulsory, foresaid lands, so by his father lost. And this, I take it, 
is the main motive of our preparations. The source of this our watch, and the chief head of this post hasten rummage in the land. <laughs> God, I hate that so much. <laughs> Shaved head. <laughs> why, why? Why do you like that? Why does that amuse you? Oh man, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Why? <laughs> when you hear this episode, <laughs> this is this is entertainment, man. Why? What is it? Me struggling to make this boring moment? I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you, this episode after this, you're gonna be a star. <laughs> Why? Because you're brilliant. I- <laughs> Dude, I, I am honored. I am, to anybody that is a Shakespearean or professional actor listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm not, I'm sorry for what you just heard. I'm sorry <laughs> that Gary thinks this is what stardom is, because we all know it's a struggle. Um, oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I, I, I don't know what you're really saying, but I am... <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm laughing so hard, my back hurts. <laughs> oh my gosh! That was other things you want me to perform, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you, uh, this guy would do this monologue every time. It's so uninteresting. I always enjoyed it thoroughly. He's very serious about it. <laughs> he he is he's serious. Yeah, he's like one of my best friends in the world. <laughs> like he would do this all the time. It was awesome. <laughs> it's just such a legit. Maybe I'm not seeing the depth in it. Um, <laughs> but that's fascinating. I mean, you know, Hamlet is has some of the most famous and hard to perform soliloquies in the world, and you chose a moment with Horatio. I don't even know if he's talking about a nunnery in here. I don't even see the nunnery. <laughs> like, I think your friend is telling you the wrong info. Look, ay, ay, ay. Well, I okay. Can't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I didn't have to write a bunch of questions. <laughs> I, just what write, is- I just had to come up with one good one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what the heck, man? I feel, I don't know if I feel violated. I don't know what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> well, you always got to expect the unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Just great. What happened to the magician talk? And the- <laughs> no, there's, a, there's a randomness to the universe. It's unpredictable. <laughs> I mean, if anything is too taught us about unpredictability, it's been 2020. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, have you done any kind of challenge to any other person? <laughs> no, just like, me. Just me? <laughs> I don't even know if this is recording. This might no, just be for your amusement. No, no. Actually, I had a guest. Um, her name was Adriana McKeon. And she's an actress. She does accents, and she wrote a book. And on a whim, 
out of nowhere, I asked her to do a Shakespearean monologue, and she totally pulled it off. Like she had this thing memorized. Oh my gosh! Look, I I wish I was more prepared. I mean, it's it's really kind of uh, I've been pivoting, Gary, these past couple of years. Um, now, I mean, look, my, my heart is in the theater. I love it. You give me a play, I will work on it. You give me a film script and you want me in it, I will do it. Um, you know, I, I, I love the art and I do love the people in the art for the most part. Uh, you know, minus everybody on Jelaine Maxwell's list. But uh, but I everybody everybody that does take the art seriously and isn't like a creepy Hollywood uh, weirdo, um, you know, hey, showbiz is where I got my roots. I love it, and I I hope to continue doing it. But, but is it my is transforming into another character my passion? For what I, I just heard, not. it is it is your calling. You just <laughs> you think I'm meant to be Horatio in Hamlet delivering this? I'm gonna make a career out of that moment. I think you could. I do. That's that's very nice of you. That's very nice. Wow. I, I mean, I know that was a hard challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you did it. You you went the mile and you did it and. Even though we lost internet connection and all kinds of weird shit just happened. <laughs> oh my god! I, I think this might have been one of the greatest moments in podcast history. Oh wow! My, what is the bar? What is the bar for that, dude? Um, uh, it has to be pretty high, considering there's about forty thousand podcasts. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes some, um, of, some of them professionally produced why do you think michelle obama is now doing a podcast i she mean is? yeah there's like a big press release last week i'm like oh yeah you had nothing to do in quarantine either huh hmm. like oh great now we're so, all competing with joe rogan and mo Obama. Like, see that's, that's disappointing you know because I, I would like it to stay small you know, to, to people like you and I, you know, I don't want to see celebrities, you know, interfering with something that is this new great creative outlet. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it, it is tricky. This is something over the years, I don't know, I mean, you're, you're a, a, a Zen practitioner of sorts. Defrocked. Um, Defrocked, yes, defrocked practitioner. Um, you know, so I, I assume you do have somewhat of a higher level of um, awareness around these issues. I mean, I definitely have the awareness. I don't know if I have the follow through when it comes to like comparison and competitiveness in terms of um, managing my ego mind. So what I will say to this is this. <laughs> um, so just a whole lot of stuff. Somewhat the I do look at this as a passion project of mine. Um, I would one day love to take this medium, uh, and I've always, you know, even since and that was another thing people started telling me when I was younger. Greg, you should host a talk show. Oh, you should be like, you know. Someone used to be like, oh, you're going to be like Johnny Carson one day when I was like 10. Like, 
you know, I, I, I first of all, like that age, Johnny wasn't even on the air anymore. Um, but I, I always did sort of, talk shows have always been in my horizon, at least in terms of the kind of content I consume. So it is, it is related to passions that I've had. I'm now doing it. I figured it out, the equipment, started reaching out to people like you, other people that are talking about things I love hearing about. And at the end of the day, what I am holding close is that it's something that I have to keep enjoying to do. That's it. Like, if there comes a time where I'm recording these with you and it just starts sucking, then I'm going to get out. Mm. But definitely, like, have moments where, you know, hearing Michelle Obama is doing a podcast and now everybody, you know, if every one of my friends started doing podcasting and we were all just podcasters, it would suck at some level. It, or at least my ego mind is saying, Greg, that's going to suck. You want to be the best. You want to do it. You want to have something unique. You want to da 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 And I think the only thing I can hold on to, Gary, is do I, what is it actually doing for me? What am I getting out of it? Um, is creating experience for myself? Is it really kind of blending it, blending it into living? Um, so it's, but it, that is not an easy thing to do. I know how you reconcile, like, uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I was <laughs> actually, you want to know the real story? You want the real dirt, Gary? Yeah, I want the real dirt. <laughs> right. I went in to one of these podcasts, Facebook groups. You saw, I posted something that was like, I'm looking for mind control experts and alien UFOologists and magicians and all these people. And I was scrolling through that post. I saw you. I saw <laughs> like two weeks before literally asking for people with the same exact credentials, like you, the same exact thing. And I was sitting there going like, oh, crap. My show's called Open Loops, which is about like the, the loops in people's head that like spark curiosity that happens when something goes into your head and stimulates you in a way and starts spiraling like a thought circle. Um, and you just want the resolution. You want to know more. Da, 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 da. Then your show's called Everything Imaginable, which is another version of that, like what's going on in people's heads. It, it's, it speaks to the imagination and anything's possible. I'm like this dude is doing it. This guy's doing my show. <laughs> God, crap, man. I mean, I looked at that and I, at first, well, actually, it was probably a good hour. I was like, well, maybe I should get out. There are people in this space already. It's coast to coast AM. There's Conspiracy Unlimited, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Sam Tripoli has the, you know, Tinfoil Hat podcast. Joe Rogan does his stuff. Like, enough people out there they've done it at a high enough level Gary's doing this from the ground up like all the niches are getting filled man I don't have a place here I'm out killed me a little bit but then I realized wait a minute he's doing this because he wants to do it there's some joy he's getting out of these topics I'm getting some joy out of these topics 
we both have different perspectives. We both come from completely different backgrounds. Why not live abundantly? That's sort of where I'm at right now. I'm like, you've been on my show. I'm on your show. We're doing these shows. Yes, some people might be like, these guys are just weirdos with microphones in a basement somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) There might be some truth to that. (laughs) There is definitely truth. But it is, it is um, for me, what it, Sean Penn, I think I said this in one of my early episodes, uh, Sean Penn was recently on Howard Stern, and Howard Stern asked him, why do you, why do you, like, why, you know, why do you go see El Chapo? Why do you go do all these things? Like, what are, what are you trying to get out of following all these political sort of outings that you do and exploring the world. And he said something that was like, Howard, you know, life well lived, I believe. And this is just what I've been able to do because yeah, he went to Cuba, met like Raul Castro, that stuff. He's like, you know, to me, it's what I, what I look at as a benefit of being famous is getting more access to be able to explore my curiosity that yeah. to me resonated so much that was yes. it i was like yeah can i build a life based on my curiosity that's what this podcast is that's why i've got to keep doing it and, doing I, think, it. and I think it and can we have be to. done you know like i know with my podcast my numbers have been going up and you know i have a, recently been talking with somebody who has a radio station so it's awesome. That's very you know, cool. It 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 it, it, it <clears throat> it's a definite out there. And, and to go bring, bring back that like like that Michelle Obama thing, <clears throat> she couldn't have pulled off what you and I just pulled off today if right. she tried. It couldn't happen with her because she's serious and she has to be that way. You know, she you're can't right, you're right. be. 100% honest and open like we can. So true. And you know what? She does a very good, I mean, look, in terms of political first ladies and like connecting with the people, whatever the manufactured version she puts out there that at some level you're, like you said, is manufactured um, to a certain extent. She does a damn good job. Like, like both of those Obamas, like, like, yeah. They're able to have a little sarcastic comment. They're able to address elephants in the room in a witty kind of quick way, but also then pull back and still, you know, they're not going to go completely off the rails. And I think you're right about the fact that we both are at this place now where whatever happens is part of shaping of what this Gary Greg show will one day be. Exactly. Yeah, like they, they did, they couldn't do it. There's, there, there's no way, and, and and it's through that that you create real art. You know, is is when it's not manufactured. Yeah, you know, when it is spontaneous. When when some asshole just asks you to do some bizarre monologue, that, that's <laughs> art. <laughs> oh wow, I'm loving you giving yourself this much credit, Gary, for what you put me through. That's. I'm- <laughs> For an artist, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's true, you know. It's just it, it was it's classic. 
Oh, it is. It is. That's the type of stuff I, I, I got in this for too. And, you know, it's, it's just spontaneity and creativity. And that's one of the things that I learned as a guest on your podcast is, you know, like I was expecting, you know, be asked about, you know, paranormal and this and that. The whole show is about me being defrocked. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. How do you get to people's bizarre stories quicker? I don't know if you can. I do kind of think it's, I've learned, I don't know if you've learned this in interviews you've done with people, but there is kind of like a, I can't identify the moment. I wonder if like people like Howard Stern, who've been doing it for years can start identifying. They, I bet he definitely could. Um, but the moment when like you start going a little off what, both of you were expecting you as a host know like, Oh, this is going to be a very interesting rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> have, you, have you found that yet? Have you like figured out like what you have to do to get to that point? I, I think it's intuition, man. I, I, I think it's just, you know, listen, one listening very curve carefully to what the other person is saying mm. and, and not being able, not, not being afraid to, to go there. It, it, it takes sort of a, a, a fearlessness, you know, like, oh, you know, I might offend this person by going there. But, yeah. you know, what's more important, finding out the truth or offending somebody? Right, right, right. No, for sure, for sure. Um, huh. I wonder, like, if you, I wonder, you know, I'm, I'm going to be curious to listen to more of your shows uh, recently if you have followed those impulses more since I called you up for defraud. I mean, you clearly have in looking at this episode. <laughs> it inspired something in you. It did. It did. I, 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 mean, I, I even recently did it, um, an interview with a Satanist and put it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What is up with that guy? Burke, Burke Don, the video game guy or whatever? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. It, it was interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with what I interviewed him about. You know, it wasn't like foreign material to me. But I was surprised. Like when I brought up, um, like there's a musician called Varg. He used to be mm. in a band called Burzum who went to prison for burning churches. Yeah, right. And, right. Um, and, and he was my, my Satanist guy. He wasn't too thrilled with that. I was like, huh? Yeah. I was and, surprised, and this, you know, I would think you would have been all for church burning. Right. Right. That's what I, that's what confuses me. Maybe you could, I don't know if you've ever practiced Satanism no. um, or studied it too, too immensely, but like are these Satanists different than, the conspiracy Satanists we hear about, like the, you know, like what Bill Gates and Maria Abramovich are practicing, uh, Marina Vombra, yeah, like all that stuff. Like, is it a totally different thing? Like, where does Satanic ritual get mixed in with like this? No, 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 it's not that. This is Satanism. It's a different thing. Mm -hmm. Like, is is that the same thing, or is Dirk completely separate from like what the elite are supposedly doing? Well, one, I don't think the elite are actually doing anything. <laughs> oh, you blew it up, man. I, I think they're just stealing our, <laughs> maybe stealing our money. 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> Have you had any crazy conspiracy people? Or not crazy, but sorry, they're not crazy. Uh, but what you might consider crazy if you don't actually think they're doing it. Uh, I, have I, you- I, I have it. And I've actually been shying away from it because there's enough misinformation out there. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to be a part of that. I enjoy like the old school conspiracies, like 9-11. I think there was, yes, I, I right. think at the very least, the government knew was allowed it to happen. You know, mm. and one of the things that always bothers me about it is building seven. You know, not many people are aware that a third building collapsed that was never hit by a plane. That kills me, that one. I don't and, get it. Um, so there's that, you know, um, there's, there's the alien um, you know, us getting technology from recovered alien spaceships. I definitely think there's something to that, mm. you know? Um, so there's some that I, I definitely believe, which are those old school ones, you know, the possibility of Illuminati or they you are know, like the Freemasons and skull bones, you know, sort of like that fraternal organization. It's, yeah. it's hardwired into our society that this certain group of people, will always make it to the top. And it's been there for hundreds of years. And that's not even right. really a conspiracy. It's the truth. <clears throat> you know, there's a reason why. And it's like because of these fraternal and educational systems that we have in place. Um, so like that kind of stuff, yes. Um, I agree. It became, this, this, uh, my uncle said it became political. Like yeah. it was fun. And then they all became political. I wanted to go into my show doing conspiracy stuff i and i you know what i will still bring people on just for again entertainment like i'm gonna definitely give a prelude before i bring someone on and go into an afterthought and be like hey look you know what i don't know if i really believe any of this um but i certainly my imagination was inspired and i think that person's full of crap like i don't completely rule it out i even think having a conversation about the way it's negatively affected politics is an important thing to do because i mean i guess there was that fareed zakara like donald trump q anon special on cnm the other night um it is good for people to know how adamant our voters are about this because it's happening and it's affecting them like if you want and if you don't want it to happen we need to know the extent of it um as crazy as it is like that's my position on it right do you think there's anything to that q and non-conspiracy or do you think it's just bs this is the hard this is the hard question for me this is hard okay so you know what I'm, I'm as confused about that as I'm as confused about Trump's connections to Russia um, because it seems like I see both like in my mind, like they're saying it's a, it's a conspiracy that Russia interfered with our elections. And that's why Hillary didn't win. On the left, that's like the conspiracy theory, quote unquote. At least that's what the right claims. Mm-hmm. And then on the right side, they're like, these liberal elites are making up all this stuff with Russia, cover up for the fact that there's this deep state that if you go higher and higher, it gets into uh, satanic rituals and uh, systemized pedophilia and child sex trafficking and all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, 
Here's why I don't buy into QAnon. The idea of there being a good versus evil in this world just isn't a healthy way to approach things. Um, you know, I mean, that's like conspiracy theorist bunker or a, an intellectual that looks at these conspiracy theories and talks about it. They're going to say, if people start going, all these guys are bad because there's these elites in power and they're ruling everything and there's, there's a force for good and a force for evil. Like that's just rarely ever true because it is. It's not true. We look in nature. It's always a gray line. It's always there's always shades of gray. It doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Every every person that's walking this planet has some good traits and some bad traits. Yes. Yes. Now, what I don't fully understand, and this is why I don't want to debunk Q completely, is I don't fully understand the connections between the original Q and some of the intelligence that someone in 4chan or, or 8chan drops. Mm. Like, that's what, like, I've heard the other side of there. Like, if you look at what was going on, you look at the stuff that this Q, who a lot of people think is Michael Flynn, actually, originally, uh, especially now that Michael Flynn is like standing with his family and saying, where we go one, we go all. Uh, you know, there's like evidence that Q is tied to Michael Flynn and then Michael Flynn was so close to Trump. Like that to me at least makes sense. This, I, do, I can kind of see how perhaps, <laughs> this is where it gets really conspiratorial. There might not be the Q that once was, may no longer be since they got Michael Flynn mm-hmm. and maybe somebody went in it became like a psyop from either from the left side or the right side or somebody just hacked in and picked it up and it could be a kid in the basement somewhere fooling all these people I mean mm-hmm. I actually it could just be that from the beginning too you yeah. know what honestly I'm Q agnostic See, I guess I, at the end, I'm, I'm agnostic. I, really I think don't it's, know. I think it's BS, and and I think it originated from Roger Stone's connection with WikiLeaks. Mm, that see, that makes sense to me too. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I definitely look the fact that he kept. Here's the thing. I think it came close to Trump. I think like you did originate from the Trump camp not in the way they're describing not in the like make a circle you know (laughs) like when trump does the q gesture that means it's q community like i think that stuff's a little nuts uh, (laughs) a little over the place but i do think that someone close stone one of bannon's friends michael flynn who clearly is outwardly supporting q and everything q stands for uh originated it and then morphed into something over time uh, or or someone went in and changed and is now just like trolling a whole lot of people. When I say PSYOP, I don't mean like a planned PSYOP from the government like we're told has happened throughout history. I mean like a psychological operation maybe from the per- from like the eighth grader that was smart enough to hack in the queue like two years ago and, and uh, troll all these people because in a way the Oklahoma Tulsa rally being sold out was a psyop or like a psych or a psych dupe 
like a like a gotcha. Um, those TikTok teens were genius. I love that. Uh, that to me is like that's that's the great stuff, Gary. Like you like you said, you know. I mean, it's just there's so much misinformation. Once conspiracies. How about the Wayfair conspiracy? Oh my gosh, what is going on with that? That is so weird. I mean, I, I mean, do you really off. think they're 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 selling furniture <laughs> named after missing children and people are buying children? I know a furniture I, site. I mean, there's could be so many things that happened with that. But it's so like they used to when people put up Bigfoot footage, they when people put up Bigfoot footage, you could be like, oh, someone doctored it. It was just such an easy thing to be able to say, oh, it's doctored back in the day. Now no one looks at these web conspiracies of screenshots of Wayfair.com and questions like how easy it is to edit something before you put out a fake, like what happened to that kind of skepticism, right? It's so much easier. I think all the skeptics have, uh, are gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And believe me, it is Watching those videos makes a disturbing case. You fall into it. That's like, and, and that's part of me, what I'm trying to achieve on my show, having an open discussion about yeah. See, I think that happened. I think that one's BS too. And, and actually, like, here's my, my, people probably get offended because of my opinion on this. In fact, I know I've already offended people with it. But mm. um, from a business perspective, okay, if I'm selling children, am I going to go through the trouble of kidnapping them, shipping them, and then marking them on the internet? Absolutely not. I'm going to get people to reproduce for me and just simply sell those children, the people that are already looking for them. That's because interesting. Because the, the, the business model doesn't work. Well, that's in a way why I feel like Michael Jackson is innocent. <laughs> that also like I, and this is sort of what I think of like when I think of Michael Jackson and what happened with him if or it just at least supports the theory that he's innocent because I just think grooming the kids in the way that those two describe the documentary and, and what we've seen in the court cases would just be so inefficient for him why aren't you if you're gonna be I, I mean I, this isn't original to me. Somebody else made this point. If you're going to be bringing in children who do whatever, you know, these accusers are claiming you're doing, why aren't you going to have somebody, Michael Jackson knows people in power. There's obviously an elite system tied to Epstein and whatnot. Why not just have like third world children there's huge child sex trafficking is a issue still going on globally throughout the world groom people in such an unsafe way like michael jackson did it if he were to actually have this predilection it doesn't make sense right. when the access to another sort of thing it just doesn't make sense and the same thing with epstein like why would epstein do all that in this country the guy owns a jet he could just fly to another country where it was legal. Right, right. I mean, there right. are places in the world where you can get away with that and not pay consequences. 
I mean, so are you saying, but, but do you believe, you believe Epstein did all those things to those American women? You? I don't know. It, it, I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of testimony that says he did, but then I look at it from a perspective where this guy had a jet. He could leave the country anytime he wanted and he could just easily just go somewhere else and act out on that behavior and not get caught or, you know, you know, where places right, where people don't right. even care, you know, I mean, back in the day, people would go to Bangkok or someplace like that for, for that type of thing, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, I definitely think based on the witness testimony, the number of people that have come forward and, and uh, you know, all that, what, what's going on. I definitely think those women in Florida experienced it also because like the age is so close to like, like people could, you know, you see 19, 20 year olds that look like they're 16 too. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's less, you're, it's not like you're having actual children over. So like in terms of the, the way people are seeing it from the outside. So you could be like, Oh, he just hangs out with college kids or something like that. So like mm -hmm. from that perspective, definitely think he did it. I definitely think these women were there. I, I again, I don't know. I mean, well, first of all, there's that picture with Prince and Andrew. So like it's yeah. out there. Um, but with Michael Jackson, the thing that always confused me was why is it always like, highly motivated accusers, people that have like exact reasons at a certain time to ask him for something um, money-wise, whatnot, money seems to be okay. Like the first kid in 93 took the settlement. Someone made the point that if your kid actually was in trouble, like, or your kid actually went through this, like why would money be enough? How much money would it take for you to be like, no, money's not worth it. I want this man behind bars. Um, that makes me think about it. Also, like, look at Weinstein. Look at, oh, gosh, this is such a dark conversation we're having. But, but it's true. Um, you know, like, look at Weinstein. Look at Cosby. Look at Epstein. Names. So many more accusers. They keep popping up. Trump. Bill Clinton. I mean, the number. These are men. Kevin Spacey. These are guys who've had a history of more and more people coming up, accusing them over time. And Michael Jackson has had... Uh, four spread out through his career one completely you know the court ruling said nothing weighed one of the the guy who was in the documentary um you know had every chance to come forward and say something against him even when he died and he didn't and people say he has a history of trying other people the other guy the only one that i might believe and even his story is flimsy is the other guy in uh, leaving Never Neverland, not not Wade, whatever the, the dude who uh, had the ring for his marriage. Like that's the only mm -hmm. one that I'm just not sure, just because the how motivation. About, how about Macaulay isn't as high. Culkin? Dude, I mean, says nothing ever happened. Hmm. He says nothing ever happened. Lisa Marie Presley said nothing ever happened. I mean. You see these other people, Cosby's, Weinstein's, names popping up left and right. There was no reason for these people to keep silent right now after Michael Jackson's death over 10 years ago. And uh, they come forward for a docu. Oh, you know what also makes me think is weird? Come forward for this documentary. Oprah does the special for the documentary on HBO. 
How much has she said about her friend Harvey Weinstein publicly? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I believe, I mean, Harvey Weinstein, I think he's obviously guilty. You know, he was just money and power hungry and perverted. Michael Jackson should not have been in bed with those kids. I will say that full heartedly. He should never, ever, ever have slept in a bed with children. No. Terrible. Terrible <laughs> move. I'm just not sure about everything else. It seems motivated from a different place, the accusations. And I'll say flimsy arguments. Um, just, you know, and back to Wayfair efficiency, like grooming people in that way doesn't make sense for him. He doesn't have time for other ways to do it. People were very close. They would have known everybody that has accused according, including all his, uh, the, the staff that used to work at Neverland, um, you know, the people, they were like, there was a case of like four maids that came forward or something and hold me to the facts necessarily. Uh, you should hold me to the facts, but, um, you know, I don't know the, the exact facts, but they were all totally like, there was like, they were totally debunked. All the claims were based on like, you know, a disgruntled worker stuff. Like the court didn't take them seriously at all. Like there's a lot of things around it that people clearly were just trying to make money from. That just, me, I, I just don't think it would have, was a smart move for him to do it that way with like four accusers in his history. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with you on Michael Jackson, but when I hear these other conspiracies that involve children, and here's like another out there kind of thing, but I think it would probably be easier to make clones than it would be to run around stealing other people's kids. Do you think that's a thing going on? Cloning? Absolutely. They clone our food. Do you think Joe Biden is a clone? No, no, he's too old. <laughs> I've seen the, uh, there, there is a whole, th there's a lot of Twitter rabbit holes. You could go down with this, Gary people who are like pulling up the photos of Biden's ears and the Biden of years ago doesn't have the same shaped ears as the one today. Yeah. I don't have the same shaped ears that I had 40 years ago either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, these guys really think cloning is a regular thing. I've heard I, I, I think it is with younger, you know, I mean, I, I, I do Carrie? believe that people are being cloned. I've heard Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. People think this guy isn't him at all. Well, he was replaced. I've heard Obama. Um, I don't know. You would think it would... It's an interesting... I really don't have any evidence to substantiate it. The only evidence that people bring forward are, oh, look, his nose is a little crooked today. That's clearly a clone. Yeah, see, I, I don't think they're going to be cloning famous people, you know, I, but I do think cloning of humans is going on, you know, somewhere where do you think, where do you think somewhere it's in the world. I, I think it's definitely happening in probably places like Russia and China, mm. you know, for military reasons, trying to make like a super soldier. Right, right, right. I, I mean, why wouldn't they use genetics? Oh my gosh. 
It's like opening up a whole new world of thought. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't just walk around believing that everybody you meet is an actual human. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Do you go through life? I mean, be honest with me. How often do you have this thought when you're talking to someone? Do you ever like, are you for sure that they're not human sometimes? I can't say I'm for sure, but I certainly have come across people where I have to question it. Yeah. What? What makes you question it? Um, because like, I think normal people are like you and I, we question things, right? Mm. We, something, we wait, we, we wonder if it's true. And sometimes we never have our questions answered, but when I run into people that say, this is it. This is definitely true. And I'm not questioning anything. How is that person human? There's something missing. <laughs> so, but is it, but you, so you're not sure what it is. You're almost convinced that. If, mean, it, if, if it's not a clone, I'm sure there's some type of genetic modifications going on in certain populations. Absolutely. Wow. Cause, Cause there's no, other reason why people would just suddenly stop questioning. Stop questioning. Well, it's, it's like somehow they're making people make people to not question what's going on. Who is the most famous example of this? I, I can't think of any famous example because I don't know that many famous people. <laughs> I was going to say, is there anybody that you see have seen on television that you're like, no questioning no, anything? No, no, but, but, but definitely, you know, just, just people that I meet every day and talk to when I come across somebody who just never questions anything and just follows a certain direction in life. That makes me think like, you know, there's something missing there. Now, what, about someone that's like, hey, Gary, those people are just dumb. I, I don't think people can be that dumb. <laughs> so, so you might be more of like a hopeful, hey, this is very interesting to me because it's like your life philosophy is either they're modified genetically in a lab somewhere or that well, humans well, well, are well, I mean think about it too they only have to modify one person without a particular gene or chromosome or changed modified gene or chromosome and then after that the entire generation is passed on oh my gosh what so okay. it, it you know I mean how do you think how do you think this originally happened like if you were to imagine today did they take these people in? Like, was it Russia, you know, 200 years ago, they had a group of people and they just sent them out into the world? Like, I, I think it's something that just all countries do, probably for military purposes. You know, just to make better, pe make better soldiers. Because soldiers don't question. Mm. Now, look, I mean, I would say to that, and I, I'm just devil's advocating you here, uh, that the regimen soldiers go through, and this is why soldiers are famously great hypnotic subjects uh, once they get out of military training, is that the regiment they go through actually is modification 
in but it just is all psyche like they are modifying the way they believe in their structures so that they really like they have a completely different belief i mean you know military training is often compared to cults uh the way that cults bring people into mind control you see what happens when people pledge allegiance to uh some uh, place where they're in a concentration camp and and you know like uh i don't know i mean i've I've heard of this in china before like like making americans loyal to the chinese cause and what with communist china stuff like that like you think that it could all just be mental or it has to be genetics i think it could be both I mean, they're going to do whatever's the easiest, most effective way to do it. So in general, you I mean, and when you think about it, wouldn't it be easier to start modifying people's DNA rather than spending years and years and years programming them? No, you're right. Hmm. So do you think, so, so this is very interesting. Your philosophy on life I want to say it's my philosophy on life. I'm just saying it's a view <laughs> of a certain group of people that I, I have noticed that don't question anything. But in a way, it speaks to your, like, because you've multiple times, you know, talking about Wayfair, talking about, uh, like, being efficient, mm-hmm. you seem to place a value on efficiency being you know, the, the people, people are always going to take the shortest, shortest route from point A to point B. Right, right. Now here, and this is the thing with AI though. Like I read a really great book about why this guy thinks AI is not going to work. And one of the things he's saying is, yes, the efficiency is there. It seems like to not have to pay people, that's going to be fine. But like, how efficient is it going to be? How long is it going to take to program a robot to then lift a washing machine and then program another robot to be able to program a robot to then lift and do all these really extremely manual tasks that would be easier done with a human in 10 minutes versus like, we're going to make all the robots do all this stuff. Like we're not actually thinking about the specific tasks in the world that need to be done and the amount of time it's going to take to get there. The no efficiency, like you said, is the end goal. It's the getting there. It's the getting like, like someone would have had to sat down and come up with the way doing this genetic modification. So my question is, a, did they do it efficiently? B, who did it and when? Well, we know that they do it with food. Most of our food is cloned. Mm, right. I, I've been eating a lot of Beyond Beef, I'll tell you that. So, so if they could do it with food, I'm sure they could do it with humans. And my guess is they've probably been doing it probably since World War II. Mm. I, I, I think if there's a time where... You know, you see a difference in society and difference in people's thinking. It's around that time. And also, I have a feeling, you know, like when I was a kid, there was no mass murderers. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people got shot and stuff like that, and it was gang violence. But there wasn't these mass murderers. And I think if we were to look for a common denominator for these mass murderers, 
it's going to be in genetics. You're going to find out that these people are, you know, either their parents or the person themselves was genetically manufactured and lack some type of human conscience. Wow. I do wonder about the shootings. Oh my gosh, we're covering everything in this episode. This is nuts. Everything. Imagine. Okay. Um, I do wonder with regards to the shootings specifically, um, you know, why aren't we going deeper into the kids' psyches at Sandy Hook and and I mean, Columbine, we kind of got a little taste of that because it was 97 and there wasn't a lot of this going on. So there's a lot of time to analyze it. Then we get to like 2013 and there's a shooting every month or a couple weeks. And it's like, you know, I, the burnout effect happened. It was just, it kept happening. I do wonder why we haven't really taken the time publicly to address the motivations and the mindsets that lead into these acts. And we only focus on gun resolution like we and, and it's a huge issue gun stuff is a huge issue still i don't know uh personally in general i'm less of a fan of people having the right to or, or just i'm not a fan of mentally ill people mm-hmm. getting guns that's my position on it right. but what i will say is that we we never really address the illness publicly we never look at what's going on in their heads but maybe part of, it's probably not an illness. And that's, it, yeah. And, you know what I mean? That's what I mean. I, I think it's just a, a, a result of trying to make soldiers. Mm, that's interesting. So in conspiracy land, and this does, look, it's an, un, and maybe it's not, a, maybe you don't think this is like that outlandish to suggest. Um, I'm almost picking that energy up from you, Gary. You're sort of, Proposing that maybe the rise in shootings with these mass murderers is directly related with a genetic modification of people that started around World War II. Yes. Yo, that is out there, man. It's out out there. there. It's out there, (laughs) but... I, I think it'd be tough to disprove. And I think, and <laughs> yeah. I think if you follow the timeline, the timeline works. Mm. Is this the first time you've heard, is this an original theory that you've had? You know, I don't know if anybody else has this theory. I mean, I've had this theory for a very long time. And, you know, it's one of my, one of those things. Like if I, when I bring it up, like, it, like if I say I'm in a social setting, and I throw this theory out there, people get kind of upset. Mm. Now, what do you, you think know? they're actually getting upset at? Are they getting upset that you're not dealing with the sensitivity of what happened? Like, like what, what do you think that comes from? Like, why don't people want to have a conversation about where these people... Because I, I think it's vulnerability. Because I think it makes you question even yourself. Mm. You know, like... Yeah. Um, really? Well, then what about my own being, you know? Well, what could he have done to me? Or am I actually a human? Or 
you know what I mean? I, I think it's kind of an uncomfortable, you know, it, it, it's, it it, it's, 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 that- it's very unsettling. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, here's the thing I would ask is why aren't the questioners like you and me ones that were modified genetically? The other ones are normal. Well, I, I think, um, you know, it, it just, they just haven't hit everybody. Or maybe the genetic modification when it was developed didn't work on everybody, you know? Maybe it didn't work on, say, people with a certain blood type. Mm, right, right. You know, I, I mean, you would have to accure a whole lot of data and, and, and analyze it in order to really figure it out. You know, obviously, it's not something that you and I are capable of doing. We can just you know. speculate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Huh. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, Okay. Yeah. Let, let's. You got. You got more questions. You got more stuff. Like I. I am open. <laughs> Actually, um, getting kind of hungry. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Is this how you end every interview? No. <laughs> but most of the time, it does end either when I get hungry or I have to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, look. I mean, I've definitely enjoyed this deep dive. I feel like there are a lot of interesting open loops that I personally have and um, no, I, I hope you, you might just play everything including the, you might just play the Shakespeare piece. I mean, <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 I'm just going to try to patch together and I'll play the whole thing. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. People are just going to get this epic, insane episode. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, this has been fun. Yeah. I think it. so too. Thank you for being on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we have Anytime. to do this. We have to do this again. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm curious what you're going to throw at me next. And I'm going to call that a wrap. I'm going to stop recording here. Awesome, dude. Oh wait, wait. Your podcast. Tell my people where to find your podcast. Oh my gosh, open loops and soon open-loops.com will be the home page for that. Um, yeah, available on all the podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, yeah, check it out. Open Loops, an intellectually escapist podcast. Yes, definitely check him out. And I'll post a link in the notes of this podcast to your podcast. Awesome, Gary. Yeah, no, dude, I, I love having you on my show as well. And uh, we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. And that is a Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. Which I would be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com and Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. 
You know, yes. You can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.